0: when we were combing back through sermons to re-preach, I said to Russ, there are only two times in 20 years that I remember getting a round of applause concerning a sermon. Now, the first time that happened, Russ had preached the Sunday before. He had preached about um, transgender inclusion and acceptance and love. And at the end of that sermon, uh, the whole room Applauded him and that had never happened before and the next Sunday I preached and I don't remember what I preached about uh, But I got a round of applause, but we all determined it was probably just pity applause. So now we were even so uh, I remembered one other time getting applause, but I could not remember what the sermon was I was going to go back and re-preach that one, but I couldn't remember what it was But I did remember this sermon that I'm going to re-preach today since we're re-preaching sermons from the last 10 years to celebrate our second top 10 uh, sermons with you. The sermon is entitled, Showing Up and Standing Beside, and I preached it on September the 25th, 2016. It was the Sunday after the protests in the streets of Uptown Charlotte following the death of Keith Lamont Scott. He had been killed by a CMPD police officer and many people took to the streets and Russ and I were among them. It seemed timely to look at this sermon again four years later, but when I pulled that sermon up from four years ago on my computer, there was one page of manuscript and the rest of it was just notes in little sentence fragments. And I I remembered then that I had basically preached this sermon extemporaneously from my notes. I think I even left the lectern. We were in the community center at the time. Uh, Our HVAC was a new HVC system was being installed here. We were meeting in the community center. And I just wanted to tell my experience to you and my story to you from that week. And so I did it from notes. So that forced me to have to go back to our archived podcasts and listen to the sermon so that I could transcribe it. I wish I could tell you how much I dislike going back and listening to old sermons, but I did it. I was surprised um, at how intense and angry and emotional I sounded, and I was surprised how many of the stories that I'm about to tell you again that I had forgotten had happened even to me. Um, I don't like going back and listening. But I heard in my voice a nervousness and an emotionalness that I wasn't expecting to hear. The world had seemed overwhelming to me, and I was pushed beyond my comfort zone. And about halfway through the sermon, I said this one line, very impassioned, and you all started clapping. It's the sermon. So everybody in the room, I will give you the cue when the clapping starts. All five of you, I expect a big round. I've mentioned to you before I start the sermon, I've mentioned to you the struggle I'm having over my concern about the global pandemic and protesting in the streets and my place in that. Trying so hard to honor people's health by maintaining distance and isolation, but feeling this strong urge uh, to have my voice and my steps uh, in the streets alongside people. So as I listen to this sermon again, about my experiences on the streets in 2016, pangs of guilt filled me because there's only been one time Russ and I have gone to a protest and it was a Monday morning all clergy protest. I've not changed my mind about my decision, at least not yet, the decision not to join them physically in the streets. And I've tried to put my foot on the gas in other ways towards speaking and acting around issues of racial justice so my experience from 2016 I will share with you again today I'm struck by how little has changed and yet in listening and watching closely to what's happening now I am holding out the tiniest bit of hope that this time this time change is happening like it hasn't happened before so let us not take our foot off the gas The Text that I used that day was from the Gospel of Luke. And it's this great story about the rich man and the poor man. I'm sure you've probably heard it before. I'll read it for you now. But in the middle of it, there's a line that said, Besides all of this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed. Now let that line not get caught up in the details of this little vignette and illustration for justice. That's what this text is about. This text is about justice. Please do not get lost in the heaven and hell issues. This is about now, here and now, in life, and the great chasm that exists. So listen to this story. he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner received evil things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that Lazarus may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You've heard the ancient story. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. From 2016 I feel as though I have learned more in one week than in my whole life put together because I showed up and I stood beside and I listened I make my living with words we talk and we write a lot I mean a lot so much so that sometimes some of you wish we would not write so much and not talk so much whether on the phone or in an email or on social media it's with words or in the pulpit, or teaching, it's with words, or performing ceremonies or saying the blessing because clearly preachers like to eat more than anything else or something because we're always asked to say the blessing. Words, it's what I do for a living when you think about it. One of our sons has said that he would never be a pastor because it would mean writing a major paper every week and that ain't his thing. There are a lot of facets to this job. But words comprise a large portion of what we do, what we do, trying to craft the message of the gospel for a current time and place and to give meaning and wholeness to the lives we live. And it's not just in sermons, but in every encounter we have, whether we speak a good word of a eulogy or we ask folks to repeat after me, to have and to hold, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, words it's what we do for a living and this week i've had no words so i decided to show up and stand beside and that's what we've done i've not worn the right shoes but it only took one day to correct that who knew that when you stand behind the reverend barber the then head of the NAACP for a press conference that you would stand there for more than an hour getting a history lesson and a lecture and an impassioned speech. And he was just the first one to speak. I leaned down to the two black female ministers standing in front of me and I said, I did not wear the right shoes for this. They turned to me and said, me neither. You know, they didn't teach a class in pastoral protest in seminary. Some things you have to learn on the fly. And I wore flat shoes for the rest of the week. I'm a quick study like that. But here's what I have to tell you from our experience this past week. If it wasn't so awful, it would be wonderful. Like a big reunion among the thousands, seeing many of the same folks every night in the streets. The feeling in the streets is more like a reunion. I've never been to a concert or a football game or even a festival in the park where I have felt more connected than I have in the streets of Uptown this week. If it wasn't so awful, it would be beautiful. Walking that circle from the Omni to the convent to the government center to the jail to the police station, there's nothing like standing in front of the jail, those four buildings and people chanting and singing and yelling and the lights going on and off in each jail cell and the shutters are flicking open and closed, open and closed. And you know that so many of the people standing in the streets have people in there. And I'm sure some of those people ought to be there and I am positive that some of them ought not be there. For the crimes they have committed because if you or I had committed those same crimes we would not be there the chasm. don't forget the chasm. so we just walked in this massive circle meeting people and hugging and singing and when I would get a little afraid though it was so peaceful but then I would realize that only one tiny thing could go wrong and pandemonium would ensue and I had to work to keep that fear at bay and so when I would start to feel that fear come on and I would see the police gathering in a little closer I would grab Russ's hand and I would squeeze kind of tight because you know he's such a mighty protector you know mighty white guy protector And as I grabbed his hand and held on a little tighter, I was busy scanning the crowd to find one of my black pastor friends because they were so intent on keeping us safe as I was there to stand with them in this protest. What an irony. The strong, white, privileged from the south side of town going to stand in solidarity with our black friends looking to our black friends to keep us safe knowing how many more people would be afraid of black people simply because of the color of their skin do you see the irony i've always wondered what i would have done if i had been a pastor in the 60s it seems so clear and easy now that whites and blacks should be able to drink out of the same water fountain but would i have marched for that then I've always been afraid that I would not have. And I remember the search committee telling us about Park Road Baptist Church, and we were told that we marched with MLK. And I wondered, would I have the courage to do that? Well, this week has given me the chance to find out. I've always been afraid that I would retire and look back on a time in my ministry and think I didn't show up. And I didn't stand beside and I missed a moment for gospel truth and justice. Now I can't even fathom how many times I have failed to show up and stand beside but at least this week I did it and this week gives me the courage to do it again. The clergy in the streets. I've heard the media say where's the clergy? because the media is so very fascinated with the very few people that knocked out windows that they did not see the hundreds of us. A police major and a member of St. Luke's Lutheran told his pastor, call your clergy friends and tell them that what they are doing is making a real difference. I had forgotten this part. We skipped parents weekend at PC this weekend for our older son to stay home with our younger son because I was afraid to leave town. I had forgotten that I was afraid to leave Bennett at home alone. I know he's almost 18 then. He has a thousand friends and a whole church, but I just couldn't bring myself to leave. And the fear of not being able to get back into town, it was so irrational. I think it's because when I come back home from the streets, I turn on the news. When I'm in the streets, I'm not scared. When I watch TV, I'm scared. Quit watching TV and get in the streets. Applause. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Okay, that's three times now I've received a round of applause. You see how hard this is to re-preach, because it's hard to say, get in the streets. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, and we have to take this seriously. And if you do get in the streets, please, please be safe and wear a mask. Not be safe for fear of your life from rioters or looters. The Protesters are doing good work. If you join them, do it safely. In a global pandemic. We wore our stoles or collars or whatever gear your clergy wears, and people would stop us and ask, what does this mean? We would say, we're pastors, we're clergy, we're here to stand in solidarity with you. And then they would thank us profusely and they would tell us to pray for them. The singing in the streets. You just never can tell when a heartfelt rendition of We Shall Overcome might just come over the crowd. And there's only one way to sing, We Shall Overcome, and it is full-bore, belly singing, loud as you can, like you mean that thing. We met new friends, swapping business cards with people in the streets that we were meeting. I'm telling you, if it wasn't so awful, it would be wonderful. And the relationships with people who have been really good acquaintances have been deepening relationships from acquaintance to something more we really love each other and there's laughter and tears but i don't want to paint this too pretty though it's awful their tone the protest voice is not my voice their story is not my story their strident tone is not my tone Leaders on the streets and in press conferences have demanded things. There I stand on CNN, right behind the speakers, demanding things. We demand the tapes be released, if you remember the story. Russ and I, as we stood behind those demanding voices, we laughed that if we were in charge, it would go something like, we really think it would be a good idea if you would consider releasing the tapes. We think it would ease tensions just a little bit. So you can see why we are not protest leaders. And instead we're the pastors of a predominantly white church in South Charlotte. We've just signed on to a letter that's been crafted by a group of clergy And as I listened to Peter Wary, the pastor with such a strong voice and conviction, a good, good man. He is demanding things, and we have signed on to his demands. It's not my language. It's not my story. The chants go like this. Hands up, don't shoot. Hands up, don't shoot. Just imagine walking by the police station in the jail looking like me and chanting that. It's surreal. My mind cannot even process what I'm saying and feeling and seeing. Forward together, not one step back. Forward together, not one step back. Release the tapes. Release the tapes. This is not my voice because it's not my story, but I can hear their truth, which is their lived experiences, and I can show up and stand beside. I've not agreed with every single word that I have stood beside, but not agreeing with every single word does not mean that I can't show up. The best moment that I remember you just get herded along in this mass group of clergy people. We show up on the steps one afternoon of Little Rock AME Zion because the clergy had been asked to show up for some event, so we did what we'd been asked to do. All of a sudden, you're corralled and crowded behind someone speaking at a podium with dozens of microphones positioned, and there we are, standing there in solidarity. And I leaned over to Russ, and I said, what group is this? and who is this talking and what are they about to say and russ leaned back over to me and said i don't know and we stand there and the cameras are rolling and reporters are taking notes and the first speaker says i am so sorry that the reverend al sharpton cannot be with us today and all i could think was oh my lord my family back home is going to see me standing behind al sharpton i knew i had arrived at a new day in my life This next paragraph is, feels so different this time. Even though I've not been on the streets, it just feels so different. So these are the words from 2016. I believe them to be true still, but they surely sound different this time. Here we go. We also showed up and stood beside those who hold authority. We never passed a police officer or national guard that we did not thank them for being there. And black people were thanking them, too, and hugging them, even. There have only been very few that have allowed their anger to spill over into rage and become violent and destructive. And every single person has named that that is despicable, deplorable and unacceptable. Violence is not the answer to the horrificness of the week. No one wants violence, but anger needs a place to rest. For this week, and I'm guessing for the days to come, as luck would have it, the years to come. and How many months has this been going on? Anger needs a place to rest. And it is resting in the streets of uptown Charlotte and throughout our whole land. Anger is resting in the streets. The calm is no more. And that is a good thing now that anger resting in the streets that's not sunday afternoon nap rest our text for today did you catch the end of it could you please send lazarus back from the dead to tell my brothers the truth please don't let my brothers live in torment somebody warned them about how we're supposed to live and act and be in the world send Lazarus back to tell them and he said if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead in other words we don't need Lazarus or anyone else coming back from the dead to tell us the truth about our calling to the down and out the stepped on and stepped over the poor the people who are treated less than simply because of the color of their skin. This rich man had stepped over that poor man for a lifetime. Does he really need somebody coming back from the dead to tell him that is wrong? The chasm between the two is huge. We don't need Lazarus to come back from the dead to tell us that the color of one's skin should not make them a target for violence, even from those in authority. We don't need someone to come back from the dead to tell us these things. This in no way started on Tuesday. That was the day Keith Lamont Scott was killed. This is a very long time in the making the calm ended in charlotte on tuesday but the peace the true shalom wholeness has never been there for us all the rich man wanted at least lazarus to go warn his brothers why in the world would we need a warning from the great beyond when the truth is pouring out in the streets listen to their chants. Listen to their songs. It's as if Lazarus has come back from the dead and is telling us the truth. Truth from blacks and whites and browns that all they want is justice for all. Whole good life for everybody. Almost every police officer I thank Thanked, replied with thank you for being here as if they really believed that their work was not in vain to create a safe place in which the anger could rest i know that for many in authority that is how they see their roles creating a safe place for anger to rest but let us wake up let us wake up in 2020 that systemic racism is violent in all areas of our living. If it wasn't so awful, it would be beautiful. I encourage you to find some way to show up and stand beside. You may not can go to the streets, that's okay. But find your way to do something. Four years later, I could not encourage you more. Find your way to do something. May it be so.